I'm Hamish Bowman, a part of Ray White New Farm and director of Ray White Projects. Welcome to The Collegiate, an ongoing series of casual but in-depth conversations with my colleagues. These are some really interesting people I've met throughout my career at Ray White and New Farm, and we're going to talk to them and get a better insight as to the growth of their careers and what happens behind the closed doors. Last week on The Collegiate, we were lucky enough to have Matt Lancashire, the fearsome leader. This week is co-leader, Hazley Cush. Hazley's had an amazing career, from a, from a failed actor again, through to the real estate agent with his mum in Maruka. Wanted to continue the acting. The only way he thought possible was to be an auctioneer in front of hundreds of people. He was one of the best auctioneers at a very early age of 26. He was a Ray Wright corporate senior auctioneer. Then culminating in being on the block as one of the lead auctioneers in Australia. Now, Hazy's running Ray White New Farm together with Matt Lancashire. An amazing story, a powerhouse. Let's look. Draw the curtains back and have a chat to Hazley. Hazley Cush, thank you very much for joining the Collegiate. Thank you for having me. It's an honour. Um, I feel like I know you because most of the day people call me Hazley around here. Clients, people, I actually haven't told you that, but a lot no. of people actually say, Hazley, oh Hamish, Hazley Hamish. Do you, do you get called Hamish? I get, I actually <laughs> do get Hamish. I get Hamish, I get Ainsley, I get Ashley. Yeah. But being called you being mistaken for me is the greatest compliment I have oh, ever mate. been given. Mate, oh, I, uh, I knew I was waiting for this. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, crossfit of blue eyes, head full of hair. <laughs> Hayes, um, when I joined the business, obviously I came in when Matt was here. Yeah. I'd always heard about you, but unlike a lot of the colleagues who knew you back into the oh, 2000s and we really connected once you bought the business in 2017, I feel like we did anyway. Yeah. Personality. Um, feels like we know each other very well. There's been a lot packed into a few years, 2017 to, to 2020. There's been uh, numerous auctions. There's been, um, you know, we've had some, some difficult conversations which have proven to be great at the, through the other end and we've had some amazing times together. So I'd just like to sort of, kick off where it started, not for me, but probably for you, if that's okay. Yeah, I mean, look, for our relationship, yeah. one of the things about real estate is it's, it is so personal. Um, it's interconnected. So every part of your life intertwines with the work that you do because you draw on your upbringing, your external relationships, um, your life experiences uh, in order to navigate negotiations, listings, helping sellers, helping buyers, helping each other. Uh, so so immediately when you work with someone, especially in the role that I do now, mm. which is largely working on operations, you get to know people really well. Well then, you add, we've, we've dealt with some real challenges as a group in mm. those three years. Some, mm. some wonderful highlights, exhilarating highlights, and um, horrifically sad adversity. Mm. And, and I think that's all been a part of, of making our the closeness in our group. Yep. And certainly with you, you and I have had lots of experiences together. Um, and and I feel very lucky for, to have those, not mm. just mm. you know with you, mm. with, with many members mm. of the team, but, but specifically with you and, and we've had some really mm. special moments that will carry beyond yeah. um, our time together. It's interesting talking to other colleagues through the podcast series, we're now spending more time with them than we did with our schoolmates. I mean, schoolmates who might have spent five years. Now we're, Scotty Jarvin's just done 10 years. So there's relationships which are like lifelong. Yeah. You know? and, and they don't look like they're ending anytime soon either. So no. it's quite interesting 
in a time when there's a lot of grass is greener, people are jumping around into different here. I think yeah. we, I mean, you're integral. The, just the the passion underneath this brand, the culture, which I know you're working. You work with people all day long. Yeah. And just melding that is just something that you've done really well. And look, through COVID, I just saw you buckle down and just what you did for the team was just something I've never seen in my corporate career and hats off. But we're not here to listen to all the great things about you today. <laughs> what I've found more interesting is sometimes some of the challenging things. Yeah. You know, let's talk about your physique. You we're never going to be the front row for the Sonorans first. Should we the start exact, the exact opposite at the fullback. <laughs> should, should we start at school? Wherever so you, you want. You went to yeah. St. Lawrence's. Um, you had a your family, Judith and Dennis, you yep. were born um, family out of Maruka. Yeah, um, yeah. And then Laurie's, Laurie's from Maruka, so you... You know, following the school path will tell yeah. you a bit about uh, my life. So, born into Maruka. I know Maddie's been on the podcast series, and before we kick off, hats off. Like, I love that you've done this. I'm hu so humbled that you've done it uh, for, no, for no reason other than you just demonstrating your true character that you've gone and done something like this. I know Matt reflected on that in his his interview, but thank you. Pleasure. Um, it speaks volumes of what we really are beyond, uh, beyond you know, words that people say, talk to the actions yeah. and the real heart of our group, and I'm grateful. So I don't want to go, no. Matt went on, but I'm really, really quite humbled that you did it. Um, but Matty mentioned in his as well that he was, um, grew up in Maruka, and I was born in Maruka in Desan Place, my father's family, uh, my dad was born in Maruka, mum in Kuparu, but mum went on to open, just coincidentally, Ray White at Maruka. So Maruka seems to come up a lot in terms of our upbringing. But I went to St. Elizabeth's, which is a little school in Ekaban in Tarragindi. But then I moved to New Guinea. So I, my brother started a school at a place called Bovo Primary which, Primary, which is an international school in Bougainville in New Guinea. Mm -hmm. We did a couple of years there. I went to school there. How old were you at this stage? In grade one and grade okay, two. Yeah. Came back, St. Elizabeth's, and then Villanova until grade 10, and then Laurie's 11 and right. 12. And I, I loved St. Lawrence's. I liked Villa, but I loved St. Lawrence's. I loved it as a school. Villa had, Villa I just never bought into. Mm -hmm. um, Nothing wrong with it. Just I never really bought into Didn't it. Pick it for the the A's, maybe. Or? Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe the lack of ability in calves. Was it hockey then? Yeah. Look, I loved rugby. Always yeah. loved rugby. Um, played hockey. Always played hockey. And um, but hockey was the family sport. Yeah. I mean, Dad played rugby league for schoolboy for Queensland for schoolboys. Played hockey for Queensland for years. Would have played for Australia, but in those days you had to pay. Mm. Um, wow. Older in life, he went. He played veterans hockey and was and uh, represented Australia in vets hockey. Like he's a tremendous sportsman. My dad went to war uh, in the Vietnam War. Yeah. Really great sportsman, and we had that into us. And uh, and so yeah, loved playing rugby, but played hockey from eight. Still play today. Yeah. Played last night. Yeah. And uh, and um, yeah, so schooling was Laurie's Villa. And that's, yeah, that's where I went. And straight from there into real estate? Yeah, or so was... I went, I was at Villa, yep. good school, but St. Lawrence has had a film and television program. Uh, that's where I wanted to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I changed schools largely for that program. Yeah. And I really spent a lot of time with those guys on the weekend. So 
I went to Laurie's for the film and TV and loved it. Got to see behind the camera, in front of the camera, did a lot of pieces to camera, got an agent, was doing TV commercials at those times. Straight after school now. This is during school During school. Yeah. Um, And made the decision I was going to be an actor. So really, when you make the decision that you no longer require uh, an overall position score, like an (laughs) OP, you think, all right, this is what I'm going to concentrate on. Be an actor, which I'll be obviously the next Leonardo DiCaprio, (laughs) so that's worth $100 I no longer need to worry about anything more than playing footy, playing a bit of hockey, going out on the weekend, and preparing for my tax problem from my hundreds of millions. <laughs> and I'll just have to audition. Yeah. So went to acting school and sort of just enjoyed high school. Mm. Left school, worked with my agent, um, worked on a show called In Your Face. We did a pilot. It was a teenage issues program made by teenagers for teenagers. Yeah. We did a pilot with the Australian Film Company out of Doggett Street, actually in Newstead, and we pitched it to the ABC. Steve Vizard was yeah, Steve Vizard, um, yeah. potentially looking at picking it up and supporting it, and they loved that we were all teenage kids and we were only dealing with teenage issues and presenting it to a teenage audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was around 1996, 95, 96, and the ABC got massively slashed in a budget, which took funding away from any projects mm-hmm. like ours. So that was removed. Uh, I was lining up to get a job at Channel 7 as the host of a show called Saturday Disney. It was a live show. I did three months worth of auditions and they told me I had the job. My mum, my stepdad, we went up the mountain. Uh, my dad was the captain of Salisbury High School and Jamie Dunn was a great swimmer at, high school, at Salisbury High. Well known from Salisbury. Oh, great swimmer, Jamie right. Dunn. So he knew dad, captain of the school. Dad probably hadn't spoken to him since school. Mm. Dad called him and said, Jamie, any help you can do? for my son. But you um, got the job at the start. Well, I was told I had the job. Yep. So I said, oh, I don't even need uni. Uh, <laughs> so I don't need to do those interviews at yep. uni. And I got a call one day to say, look, what we needed was a backup guy if the current host didn't take the job because oh. it's a live show, but he's going to renew the option in his contract. Mm. So you're done. Do you remember who it was? His name was Mark. Oberon or Brian, he was. I remember he was the captain of Terrace because right. they let me down gently by saying he's a good Brisbane guy. He was the captain of Terrace. I think captain or I think yeah. they remember. I remember Terrace, and we just you know we're going to stay with him. Thanks. Mm. And I turned and Mum said, "Look, come and do some work with us in the office. Keep studying acting." I studied at the National Actors Conservatory in um, in the city. Who was the actor that you were sort of? Well, I, you were I, didn't, be. I mean, you were obviously still grabbing onto it. Was there a poster on the wall still? Was it? Was I it? honestly believed with all of my heart yes. I was going to be the next Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, there you, <laughs> yeah. you, you meant that. I meant that. Yeah. He was, there was nothing, he was charismatic yeah. but scrawny. You know, like, <laughs> same, same. Yeah. Uh, but so I, back, you see, so you're at Ray White Maruka. Ray White Maruka. Mum's running the show. Mum's running the show. Yeah. I was the assistant's assistant's assistant. I fixed the we photocopier. No, yeah, I just turned 18. Yeah. It was April two, April 18th, 1996. You know, I was showing the tenants through the properties, fixing the photocopier, doing the window cards, um, learning everything from the ground up, studying acting, trying to do plays. Um, 
and then um, and I, that happened. That was years, mm. you know, like two or three years. Mm. And it wasn't what real estate wasn't my focus, so I was terrible at it. And I bought a property. That was the great. That was a great learning. If anyone's listening mm. to this, buy property young, yep. as quickly as you can at an affordable level, yep. so you never have to sell it. So you're not relying on the income. It's at an affordable level. Mm. If that's the only thing you can afford. And I've seen you've been mentoring some of the younger staff to do that straight away. I know some people internally have followed your advice and own more than one property at young age. So yeah, that's great. Base it on affordability. Get in and plan to hold it. And so I did that at 20, what my first property. Wow, that is super young. It was young and it was a bad property. Mm. It was a one bedroom, five row house on a floodplain. Mm. Average price in Maruka was 125,000. Average price in Rock Lee was probably 70. I paid 45. Wow. And I probably overpaid it was that bad, you know? And those numbers sound really low now, but that's why you bring in the average price. Mm-hmm. It was low even for then, but I renovated it. My uncle Ron really helped me a lot by renovating it. My dad was living in Indonesia at the time. He lived there for a decade. He would have been a great help to that. Um, uh, but Uncle Ron, my dad's brother-in-law, came and helped. And the reason I tell you this is because I had to audition. I had to rehearse for a play on a Saturday. And it was this pivotal moment. It was, well, I can't. I've got open houses. Mm-hmm. I've got a mortgage to pay. And mm-hmm. they said, well, you need to decide today. Do you want to be an actor? Or do you want to be a real estate agent? And I made the decision to be a real estate agent. And, you know, that was a long time ago. I reflect on that was the moment mm-hmm. that I decided to, to step forward with it as a career. Jumping from real estate agent to auctioneering, was did that go follow soon thereafter, or was there a gap between when you decided to go agent solely and then auctioneering? Was there a time that you decided to do that, or was it seamless? Real estate is a life; yeah. it's a lifestyle, and so if you're hunting a creative outlet, like if that's just who you are, mm. some people sport on the weekend, some people debating theatre reading, writing, whatever. I was an actor. I was standing in front of people. Mm. I had a thirst for that. Mm. And auctioneering delivered that creative outlet while being able to be a real estate agent. And it was a no-brainer. But in those days, you couldn't be an auctioneer till 21. Mm. So I just, every opportunity I could get on call auction, I called them at the kindy, I called them at the the hockey club, I called them at the rugby clubs, Mm. anywhere. I did charity auctions Mm. as often as I could. Mm before I could legally do it. So I had, I called tens of thousands of auctions before I called my first property auction. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I, I donated time to Legacy to call auctions every uh, one Sunday a quarter, thousand lots mm. we did with other auctioneers on a Sunday, yeah. So we're trying to compact a, a yeah, life lot, story yeah, yeah, here, yeah. in this auctioneering, I mean, you're very well known for the principal of Ray White with New Farm with Matt, but I think you're probably as well known as one of the nation's best auctioneers, highlighting, I guess, in taking a slot at the block a couple of years ago. Yeah. It was an interesting year. I think you were last in a in a tough crowd, a tough a tough lineup of properties. Yeah, would that have been the highlight, I guess. Obviously, from a from a from a crowd point of view, it would have been clearly. Yeah, I mean, look, that was my biggest audience. Yeah. We had, uh, I think, it was one point two or one point four million viewers. Yeah. It was there was a specialness to it. The contestants, the blockheads, were my brother-in-laws. Uh, my was my sister-in-law, sorry, and my brother-in-law, my in-laws. In the room on the day was my wife, my kids, my mother-in-law, my brothers, other sister-in-laws. Uh, 
No pressure. No pressure. They'd been away from their kids for the best part of six months, three oh, to six months, God. to do the Renault. And the reserves for everyone came in above market value, or right online. Yeah. And so the hype the day before, you know, can you imagine mm. the whole family's yeah. in Melbourne. We all flew in. <laughs> I'm the first Queensland auctioneer to do it. I, I, I was a national auctioneer at the time. I'd said no because of calendar clashes to two previous block auctions. So it, there was a perfect storm that I was going to do my first one with them. Ray White Victoria embraced it. We had thousands of members of our community driving it. Ray White offices were painted out with our faces and support Michael and Carlene, Aisley on the block. And then the reserve came in at, I think it was 1-3. And all the feedback was like 1-1. One, one. Yeah. Or one one to one one fifty, and they said, "Yeah, but the block gets ten percent more." And I said, "Yeah, but that's the ten percent. That's their ten percent." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and look, what history show is we managed to get them one three ten, and I was the first, which now is quite mm. um, common in block auctions. Bidding got to one two ninety with a reserve, I think, of one three. The, mm. They're about these numbers. I could be off by ten grand, and I pushed pause. Now what you saw on the TV show was next minute I'm sitting with Michael and Carlene and Scotty Camp. But this was completely unorthodox. Like I said to the producer on the morning, hey mate, if things go to the way I think they're going to go, we're in for a real fight here. Yeah. And I want to know, do I treat this like a TV show or like an auction? Mm. And the thing people don't realise with the block is it's reality based. Mm. Scotty really blows the whistle. There really is tools down. These mm. people are not sleeping. They're away from their families. It is hardcore. Mm. And he said, treat it like a real auction. This is reality. Forget about the TV. So I just walked out of the room. I'm walking through building sites, past cameras, past producers, makeup people looking at me like, where the hell is this guy going? Mm. I'm up flights of stairs. And I go into another room with Michael and Scotty Cam. And they're like, what are you doing here? And I said, guys, we're bound by a reserve. The country knows the reserve. We're going to buy downstairs who's going to probably increase by 10 grand mm. and we're going to sell it. And I don't want you to watch from this room upstairs. I want to tell you face to face, which I do for our vendors mm. every day, um, because you thought you were going to get 10% beyond this and get this big check for your time away from your family. Mm. And look, for TV, it was a wonderful moment. For us as a family, we went. everyone went home and cried. Mm. Look, it was a tough, tough night. I mean, mm-hmm. what, and you know, reflect now, why cry? I still made 10 grand, still mm-hmm. on national TV. Just the emotional exhaustion. Uh, and anyway, then I went back and we sold it, got a little increase, sold it. They made 10,000 bucks. But the magic to this, mm-hmm. and everything's got a silver lining, you know, and we know each other enough to yeah. know that grey skies mean green grass to me. I'm an eternal optimist. They milked that profile better than anyone mm. I've ever seen. Mm. Carlin and Michael host TV shows today. There's still media identities because of that result. Mm. Had they made their 130 or 150, mm. they would have gone back to living a life and that would have just been a little um, trophy in the cabinet yeah. like we all have. But their life has forever changed mm. and they are as happy a people today as you would ever meet because awesome. of that. Awesome. Um, so touching on um, family, Hayes, obviously, one of the things that we all have to learn, but you're running a very long game daily, mm-hmm. weekly. You're running half a dozen auctions, Saturday at least. You're getting home late. I know you're on the phone 
talking to staff. There's often there's often there's always an issue in the, in internally, you know. In modern in modern day in life. In modern day life. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that I've asked our high performing agents is how do you do that? Like obviously Alicia, beautiful wife of yours, you've been married for a long time and yep. you've got to, you know you must know each other. You must know when to pause, when to sit back. I mean, uh, it's obviously an art. You've got three gorgeous children and you're building a house at the moment. You've got all this stuff going on and you roll up very early. You're the last to leave. You know, how do you do it? And then the other thing is, what is the, for the for the audience, what is your routine? I know it pretty well. Yeah. Having seen it, but how do you pack all that in and still keep the balance and the harmony? Because, you know, to, to unpack that fairly, yeah. you know, because we all live our different lives. Mm. So you can't always um, use luck as the reason because yeah. people will say, oh, that's that's too humble or that's bullshit or yeah. you make your own luck. But there is sometimes a little bit of luck that comes into it. And the luck I had was Alicia saw my work ethic before we got married. And I was always a six day, I've worked six days a week since that day on the 18th of April, 1996. Mm. So in that part, she knew. When I met her, she organized all the auctions for Queensland for Ray White. So she was 20, I was 26. So at 26, I was the chief auctioneer for Ray White Queensland and she was the auction coordinator. So I was working nights, weekends. I fell in love with her the second that I saw her. Mm. I was in another relationship um, nothing untoward happened, mm. you know, that relationship ended. Another year went quickly. by. No, not quickly, <laughs> it just it went at its own journey. Yeah. She's a lovely girl. But a year went by. But from the moment I saw her, I just loved, I loved every part mm. of her. And she today is largely my muse, mm. you know. She's a wonderful sounding board. Um, she does what she does well and I do what I do well. And, and that's been a big part of the secret. Before we got married, uh, we got married in the, in, in the Catholic Church at Holy Spirit in New Farm. And one of the things they made you do was go to marriage counselling before you get married, which I think is a great idea. Mm. And the thing that rang true the most was, except today, that sometimes 70% is as close as you're ever going to get to agreement in a fight. Mm. Mm. Don't try to agree on everything. Sometimes seven out of, 70% is as yep. close as you'll get. If, that's, if you're there and you're not agreeing, let it go. So those two bits were, played a real role mm. in, in, in setting the pathway forward. Then um, for me, I, I like to have small little boxes to fulfill. So for me, I know that financially, whether that be through investment or, or exertion, I have to make money to provide options for me and for the family. Mm -hmm. More than anything else. Mm -hmm. That's what it's there for, to provide options. That's the only thing it does. It doesn't make happiness, but it provides options that not having it won't yeah. give you. I know I've got to be healthy, mentally and physically, and I know I've got to have relationship with the kids and with Alicia. And so to do that, I'm strict around the time. So if I allocate the time to those things, then when I'm in that time allocation, I give that thing the time. And I learn this, and I tell agents this, if you can be in a listing presentation with a client and not look at your phone, surely to God you can be at dinner with your wife mm. or your husband or your kids and not look at your phone. If I can call an auction and not look at social media or text messages, then surely when I'm jumping on the trampoline or I can do that with them, you know? And if I can... That's a good point. Yeah, like 
And those things matter. Mm. I, and, and how do I build my day? I build my day with three components. That idea of win the morning, win the day. So for me, I want to win my heart early. And I know I, I've heard from the other ones that there are some questions coming about gratitude. Well, I hone in on gratitude early. I have an affirmation that I roll out every day. I find my gratitude, which is not easy to find every day. Mm -hmm. Then after that, I have a plan for each day because for me, unallocated time is my biggest time thief. Mm. If I don't have something planned, mm. oh, mate, I'm the biggest, I was a school report card, Hazley, class clown, biggest distraction. Yeah. Like I know that about me. So I allocate the time. And then for me, I just follow, I have a plan. So I win the heart with the head, win the mind, and then the hands just follow. And so um, when I go and have time, which includes holidays, which I think is what you might be alluding to, when I go on holidays, I turn the phone off. You you practice what you preach. Mm. You said to everyone, guys, when you're working, work. When you're holidays, have a holiday. Drop the phone, throw it in the drawer, and just have your holiday. And, and before you know it, you are back at work. And but you do it. I know you do. But you just you don't but, even hear from you for a week. And again, I know luck's cliche, but I'm lucky. I know that if I want other people to do it, so mm. they've got strong mental health. Mm. Well, I can't be the contradiction. I have to do that. And I see too many people come into work and not work. Mm. So they're having a holiday at their desk in a suit. And then these same people go on holidays and then rock up here in board shorts that oh, I just want to do some work. I'm like, mate, put the time in when you're here yeah. and then have the time out when you have the time out mm -hmm. and own it. Too many people um, make up, oh, I've got to go away for this reason or don't tell their clients they're mm. going away because they feel guilty. Tell the world and have a guilt-free holiday and work your backside off when you're at work. I love it. So talking about Alicia as your muse, yep. it's hard to get through this without touching on Judith. Yeah. Your mum. Yeah. She's gorgeous. We've sold property together. She's taught me stuff in a very short period of time. You still walk together, I, I believe. You know, you have a, I think it's a weekly ritual. Yeah. She, she that allocation of time, I, I definitely get this from her. Yeah. Um, she gave me my job. She led in every sense of the word, my my journey in real estate. Her partner, Tim Hollingsworth, my stepdad, played a huge role in shaping my leadership qualities, but mum led the journey. Mm. Um, She's and strong, isn't she? Oh, strong, yeah. determined, tenacious, gritty, yeah. courageous. Empathetic. Yeah, Empathetic. yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really courageous. And, and she, her 95-year-old mother, said to her, my mum owned two businesses, Ray White Maruka, Ray White Annerley, and led it, you know, as a, as, a, as a woman in the front through the 80s, through mm. the 90s, through the 2000s. Still works with us today, on Saturday, doing open houses in rentals, will not let go. And her mother said to her, she was in her 90s, Judith, you are here religiously every week. How do you find the time? And she said, oh, mum, sorry to tell you this, but I, I put you in my diary. Mm. You know, mm. and that those actions, those simple words mm. has allowed me to go, yeah, if I want to see my kids, my kids dropping them at school is in the calendar. Dinner with my family when I need mm. to is in the calendar. Going to the gym is in the Walking with mum, Mondays, 12 o'clock is in the calendar. Nice. Because otherwise, I love it. I love it. it doesn't happen. Yeah. And 
yeah, you're, rolling, I, you're rolling. Before we know it's three o'clock, yeah. the sun is on. And oh, and mate, can I tell you, oh, every Friday night, Alicia and I laugh because I'm always a little bit late on a Friday mm. to get home because something's happened. Mm. And f- she's like, Hazley, stop telling me, sorry you're late, something's happened. That's just Friday. Mm. If you, oh, mum, sorry, I couldn't do the walk today mm. because Monday morning was happening. Well, no, no, that's Monday morning. Mm. Like, I will not reflect later on in life about how great I was at putting out fires on Monday morning. Later in life, I will reflect proudly. And I learned this in COVID. This wasn't a pre-COVID lesson. This was a COVID lesson. Mum needed to get out once a week. We had dinner every Monday night. We moved that to lunch. Let's go for a walk, just us. Um, I know that will be something I'll carry for my entire life. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it was the greatest learning out of COVID for me. Um, Hayes, we know Ray White New Thumb, powerhouse, number one agency in Brisbane. How well you guys have risen the top. Flip that on its upside down. Were there some dark times when you, I mean, I know you owned a business previously, not a thesis, but just the real snapshot of, you know, a couple of, you know, what a, a bad day looked like for you, you know, when you're in the trenches. I know, you'd, I know you've done floods, GFCs, six months without sales. You know, you had staff, you had rent, you had everything on top of you at a period of time. Is there a moment where you just thought you're there on yourself or with Alicia and you just thought, hey, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to do here? Oh, look, the moments, so the moments that stick out when you reflect across them, the, ba- the big ones, and I'll, I'll be quick to drill in. Let's go from now back. So COVID in April this year, Matt and I, and, and I must acknowledge how much I love my partnership with him. Mm. I had a moment on the phone with him today where I nearly welled up mm. and I said to him, Matt, I just love being in partnership with you. Mm. I love our complementary skills. You are just a master. You're just, you're just mm. a master at what you do. It's an amazing um, partnership. Oh, mate, he just yeah. is an incredible man. And I just love it. I would not be back in if it wasn't for you. Yeah. Um, but we had a scary moment. Uh, anyone that didn't have a white knuckle moment. Mm. Our, our company dropped by 90% for two weeks, 90%, but 120 plus people. And it was a white knuckle moment. Uh, before that, um, the sale was pretty scary. Mm. You know, when I sold to Matt, Matt was getting approached. The, the, you think of the biggest names in property, they were taking Matt to dinner. It, it, all across the country when he was our agent mm. to, to, um, to buy. Uh, and we're going to lose our top guy. You know, mm. Matt was great through that, but there was some. There was um, floods, but the three ones, if I, I drill in, the hardest moments were that we were ninety two thousand into the overdraft um, in our first few months, and the hundred thousand was all we had. Yeah. And I remember calling my broker, going, "Hey, man, I've only got eight grand left. What yeah. happens then? Because <laughs> what do you do?" And I said, "Things start to bounce." Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember that call. That was pretty scary. I didn't talk about that until we were well past it. Yeah. I remember not selling a house post GFC for six months. And um, and look, we the saddest moment was obviously with Maddie King. Mm. You know, like yeah. it's just yeah. terribly yeah. Um, sad. Yeah. And that was without question the hardest moment yeah. in, in sort of fifteen yeah. years of ownership. Yeah. Uh, but to keep it commercial, um, oh no, and to keep it personal. What I have learnt and what helped me through that leadership bit that you referred to was out of the biggest adversity, 
comes the biggest responsibility to lead. Mm. So when we were 92,000 in the overdraft, I led harder. Mm. When we were six months without a, and when I said without a sale, it was without a house sale. We sold units like we were selling ice creams in the Sahara, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, in the floods, yeah. when the floods hit, Matt Lancashire and I stood on the back of trucks, unloading bins, and I said to our team, I stood up at the front and said, our shop is a mess. We need to clean our house. Mm. No opens, no buyer's inspections. Two days, we're scrubbing this marketplace. Man, it was lo- we built relationships with locals then mm. that, is, that, are, that are still there today. Um, uh, Maddie's passing was really hard, mm. uh, obviously. And, um, and then COVID. Mm. And, and any leader that doesn't step up mm. during moments of adversity mm. needs to hand in the badge and gun. You know I mean, there were days where you just roll up on that camera at eight o'clock, we'd check in every morning as a, as a group. You know, we were sitting there at home, shorts, and you were suited up, ready to go, and like you were, you were dealing with 100 issues. We were just dealing with vendors and properties. You know, hats off, it was amazing, because you were just rolling up there. And I know at some days you were just thinking, what's going to, what, what's today, in, what's in store today, <laughs> you know? But um, really, really hats off the way you pulled the, oh, the mate, crew together. You, um you work with a great group of people, mm. you want to lead them well. Yeah. And when you've faced um, the adversity of unpredictability before, you learn that with, without an intent mm-hmm. to be the best version of yourself, without an intent to do that, whether you can do it or not, without an intent mm. to know, I've got to be the best version of myself for everybody else today, you've got nothing. So if that's your intent, your intent is to get it right, to be the best version of yourself today, it drives you forward. You know, uh, when, when we were allowed to go back to work, I snuck off. I was on the morning catch. Uh, we left at 4.30 to go for a surf at Corumban. That was my first time to leave that. the house yeah. like that in 75 days. And I remember watching the sun come up over the rock at Corumban. And there was a motion moment of like, it was like letting off a pressure valve. But you don't know it in the moment. No. In the moment, you just think, I need to be mm. the best version of myself for me so that I can lead. And, uh, and I think leadership's a tremendous gift mm. um, for people. Anyway. So, Hayes, we're going to, um, we're going to do some rapid-fire yeah. questions that we always do on the on the podcast. But just um, wouldn't mind touching on, and the, we're, we're going to a little minute window here, just the, the, the eights, the auctioneer eights and the fives and the five fives, the eights, just to lighten up the tone a bit. Yeah, is sure. Is, 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 did you learn that on a weekend? Or so, is it, just, so just run us through. That's the trilling. So they have a, like the So That's called trilling. Trilling. So you use my voice coach or my old speech pathologist, Beachy, we call him the trade of the voice users. Trish Baldock, best in the industry. Yes. I went to Trish when I went from calling 20 auctions a month to 200 auctions a month. And Trish taught me to trill. And it's about getting your vocal, pushing your voice out. And so I was on the podium one day doing 20 lights and I could feel my voice coming back. So I would be like, 500, look for a 20 rise, 520. Look for another 20, 540, 540, 560. And then I could feel it ducking back. So it's 560, 580, 580. And the (laughs) trilling pushed it out and then it just stuck. And it actually, for the user, for me, takes a huge load off the vocal folds. Feels good. Is it? Is it hard? 
it's not hard because it takes the load off. So it's wow. actually less of a load, more yeah. enjoyable. I have, you know, I have it. The crowd likes it. The crowd do, and they giggle. It lightens up an auction. You know, yeah. an auction can often be tense. Yeah. As soon as you start trilling. Yeah. The laughing, and it's just a. It's it's definitely a moment. It's a reality from auctioneers that what I've learned from time is the more energy I have the more the heart rate increases, mm. the more the energy builds in the yeah. crowd, the more the um, the more the energy, yeah. Now I've seen you doing that with one person in the room. <laughs> yeah, you can that's right, you got hey, deal with what deal with the clay, mold the clay you've got. Yeah. But my little boy Louis, so yeah. Vivian from the day she was born I called auctions in front of. Yeah. Uh, but then you know the first, the second, the yeah. third. But my little boy Louis, my, my middle son, he can trill. Okay. And he's only six. Wow. And if you get the chance, no doubt one day someone will see. But he gets, he goes, mate. He is, it is lovely. Lovely to hear. Through the trail. Cool. All right, Hayes. All right, I'm in the hot seat. You and Alicia, you're out somewhere. Yep. You're buying each other your favourite drinks. What's Alicia buying for you, ordering for you, and what are you buying Alicia? Okay, so I thought, I've heard this before, I thought yep. about this, because I love, I do like to have a you social do? drink. Uh, so we go into a, to a wine bar. Wine bar. Wine bar. She would order me a, a good bottle of a good glass of champagne, mm-hmm. and I would get her probably a gin martini. Nice. And uh, that would kick the ball into play. Okay, I like it. Um, you're on a long haul flight. Yeah. Here, here to Heathrow, you can sit next to anyone you want. Yeah. Preferably alive. Yep. Yep. I've I've heard the jokes about the alive in there. <laughs> uh, look. I'm going to avoid the cliched ones of the immediate family and give you the answer you want. It would be Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell, Gladwell is a is a fabulous author. He's a podcaster. He's an incredible researcher, uh, and his insight into uh, a host of different uh, genres uh, is incredible. He writes books with case studies in them, and it's a great way to learn. And he's it should be a really interesting guy to sit next to on the long haul. I haven't heard of Michael, so I need to go. And Malcolm, do Malcolm Gladwell. Oh, Malcolm. Yeah. Sorry, I might have said more. Work, work for me to do. Podcasts. I know we're all um, we're all time poor. All we know what you're listening oh, to. The, <laughs> the collegiate. Um, <coughs> when you go on holidays, is it a magazine? I know you're actually you and I trade circles of the Australians and the financial news in the yep. morning with relevant stories. Are you more current affairs? Can you get yourself into a podcast? Yeah, you... look, uh, uh, the book on the side of the bed at the moment is uh, is a is Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, that's not the reason I said him. I just mm. really enjoy reading his books. If I can get into a book, I I will I'll eat it up. But if I don't get into it early, it's like eating through glass. Yeah. Uh, if I can get a good podcast, the same. But I have really enjoyed getting the paper delivered mm-hmm. and reading the the paper cover to cover once a day it's a wonderful way to look outside of the bubble that you live in totally i'm the same i'm the same i love a good read of the news favorite movie look favorite movie so other than current movies that come up over time the one you reflect on you can't go past the blues brothers ferris bueller's day off ferris you gotta you know i did love lock stock yeah um and, and old school, they're the movies that for periods of your life you just watched on yeah. repeat. Yeah. Uh, so look, I, people say I've got a bad taste in movies because yeah. I like I love a bit of Will Ferrell, yeah, yeah. but back in the Will day, Ferris Bueller and the Blues Brothers yeah. was just where it's cool. I do like that. Last Supper, meal, main and dessert. 
What are we? All right. So you can pick chicken. A, you can pick a local dish. Well, I got it. I like for me. If you last meals, you don't care about what it does to you. <laughs> chicken and beer is just like a chicken karage with with a mayonnaise <laughs> yeah. and a big cold Ooh. glass of Japanese oh, lager oh. would have to be like you just oh, it's hard to get by. Uh, There's a restaurant on Stratty restaurant called Stan's Chicken and Beer. Oh mate, get over it. to Stan Chicken and Beer. <laughs> but my go-to dessert. Anyone that knows me is an affogato. I just yep. Yep. I've seen love you, it. I've seen you knocking one of those over. Yeah. Favourite hobby away from work? I guess we've touched on that. Is it, are we talking hobby of the sport? Are we talking hockey? You, well, look, I still, still play hockey. Still play a, hockey. Still train quite a lot. Um, I, I mean, yeah, yeah I, not I, there's not that. a lot of time for other things. Through COVID, I started to learn Spanish. I wanted to learn an instrument. But an interest that I have is the pursuit of purchasing property. Mm. So I like to follow different markets, not for the real estate agent in me, but for the understanding of knowing those markets. So yeah, I do like to follow different markets, but in my spare time, I try and play hockey. So you're alert, I know that you're Real estate.com, you've got alerts down south coast, Chugan Way. Yeah, I follow. You've got a few little patches. Yeah, I like the north, the northern area of New South Wales, so Bangalore, Nuribar, mm-hmm. the back end there. I like got family at Currumbin, uh, in around that area, Chugan, so I follow there. I follow North Stradbroke, uh, follow Noosa. I think Noosa is just one of those markets that in Queensland, um, it's international real estate, so we need to follow Noosa. Mm-hmm. Yes, Great place to holiday. It's white hot right now. Yeah, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, yeah. And finally, I think we've touched on it, gratitude. Most grateful for, I know there's probably so cliches. So every, every day I wake up and I say these words. So I, I, I a, it's, um, we don't have time for it today, but it's a really detailed layered morning routine to make sure I've got the energy I need for the day. But the, and midway through it, I turn the shower to cold. I've got music playing and I stay in there and dance in that shower until I genuinely <laughs> smile. Wow. Like, until I genuinely really? feel the teeth push through the lips. And I say in my head, I am grateful. I live in Australia. I am in love. I have three happy and healthy children. And every single day, I reflect on that's that's enough. Mm, That's enough. And anyone who has those things Mm. is successful and lucky and can be grateful. So that's what I'm grateful for. On that point. Hazley Cush, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's been great having you on the collegiate. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Hazel. Cheers.